When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Steelers Draft Talk. I'm your host, Derek Bell. With me is my guy, Nick Martin, fresh back from Mobile. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in this week. Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to get to a little uh, NFL Draft Q&A. So a way to get you guys involved in the show, taking some of your all's questions on Twitter. We're going to go through, hopefully, a bunch of your all's questions, answer those the best that we can, bounce some ideas off each other. Um but without further ado, let's let's get into it. Nick, how we doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Uh, honestly, Mobile was quite overwhelming at first, but just being able to interview players, uh, talk to a bunch of writers that I, you know, I've looked up to for for a few years. Maybe not talking to as many people within NFL circles as I wanted to, but just that whole experience, I thought it was just really great, and it's got me so eager. Just want to get through these draft prospects and just talk about them because i'm excited yeah for sure yeah the senior bowl man it's it's such a cool experience i I think that just seeing everybody a lot of people you know you see all the time on twitter interact with in that sphere um getting to meet up with a bunch of people it's definitely something on my bucket list uh to do moving forward just you know just even the buzz around certain players like coming out of the all-star events is uh i just think it's unique it's awesome there's guys that you know play well and i'm like man i gotta get to more of this dude's film or guys that came out of nowhere that i haven't even watched yet that you know kind of i put down in my notes like these are the next players that you're watching so it's always interesting too when you have when someone's like oh this player was that amazing uh through all three days and then you get to the film and it's like I don't know about that. Like you just yeah, you like, more up and down. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone has. You know, they see different parts of practice. You know, their biases are formed. It's it's important to just kind of drain out the noise. You know, trust what you see throughout. Throughout. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that too is sometimes we do a little bit too much, like generalizing. You know, a lot of these guys that I I saw like winners. Of course, it's all perspective and all opinion. But you know, there was some yeah. up and down performances that I were seeing on like winners lists, just in my opinion. But um. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and get into it. Um, obviously, these are going to be NFL draft related questions. We did have one question that I wanted to start off with just because I think it's pertinent to the rest of the discussions. And that's going to be um, about what the Steelers are going to do potentially in free agency. Obviously, when we're taking draft related questions, you know, what is it? First week of February. Um you know, we're still really early in the process. So when we're taking these questions, we don't really know what the Steelers are going to do before free agency hits. Um, that's always, you know, a big thing that we've got to get checked out, you know, before we can really talk, like narrow down the knees, I guess. Um, but first question we're going to go with is from my guy Chop Chop on Twitter. Best guess slash your preference for what we do in free agency. Um, I think it's a really good question. I... I'll kick this one over to you. I have a lot of thoughts on what I'd like to see. So personally, uh, in my opinion, I think they need to get out of Miles Jack's contract along with William Jackson's. 
go try to resign Sutton and and Terrell Edmonds at linebacker. I think it's the biggest priority by far in free agency because this linebacker class, you can find some guys throughout that you might that might interest you, but the class as a whole is not very strong and there's a lot of questions with guys at the top especially so you want to look for those those options at linebacker there are a lot of ways they could go with this they could go with uh tremaine edmonds and do the brother reunion though they're going to be putting a lot of uh a lot of cap dollars onto an off-ball linebacker and tremaine edmonds has been a bit up and down in his career in buffalo overall today uh this past season was probably his best season overall especially in coverage still growing as a player very very much would make a lot of sense for pittsburgh uh a kaiser white that you mentioned on twitter uh he would he would make a lot of sense as well but i think my favorite one by far out of the guys i've watched in the free agency list aziz alshire from the 49ers you and i are about as in agreement on this one as possible but alshire i I've seen a guy just, he has great range sideline to sideline, but he also just, he's everywhere in terms of just his instincts. Like he's constantly reading screens. I see him in making the correct run fits so often. The way he sifts under blocks, takes on second level blocks from tight ends. I I just think that guy, D'Amico Ryans is probably going to be the favorite to land him most likely, Mm -hmm. but, but, I can hold out a hope that that Pittsburgh can offer enough of a contract. You know, Mike Tomlin is is appealing enough as a coach, obviously, that he would want to come in and be the starter at, at at you know one of the linebacker positions. And I really think a guy like that is someone that you absolutely should be targeting. Yeah, the inside linebacker free agent class has a lot of guys I think make a lot of sense for the Steelers. Um, you know, you you mentioned Kaiser White. Um, Tremaine Edmonds is going to be the one that, you know, Steelers Twitter has already discussed a good amount. And I'm not opposed to that necessarily. I'm not big on paying off-ball linebackers um, that type of money that I think he's going to command, which is going to be in the high teens, uh, APY. But, you know, even beyond maybe, you know, the top name at Edmonds, um, I think there's a bunch of really good linebackers. Quincy Williams from the Jets. He's another guy who plays with, you know, his hair on fire. I really enjoy have enjoyed watching him play. I wasn't really extremely familiar with his game coming into this season. But when I was doing my film work before the Steelers played the Jets earlier this year, and then when I was just kind of watching the Jets defense, because honestly, they were one of the most fun units to watch this year. He's just a guy that kept standing out, standing out, standing out. I'm like, man, this dude's a baller. Um, but you mentioned Alshair. I mean – the 49ers, they got an embarrassment of riches over there. They got Fred Warner, you know, Drake Greenlaw. They got two elite uh linebackers playing side by side where Al has kind of been coming off the field. He's only he only played about 30% of the Niners defensive snaps this season. And you look at the snaps that he does play, man, they are impressive. And that that was to me, um, those that those limited snaps could potentially drive his value down, which I also think makes him a huge value add for whoever could get him because i think you could get a really really good inside linebacker and not have to pay premium capital for it there's a couple other guys i wanted to mention just in terms of inside linebacker because that 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 to me is the spot that i want to address in free agency more than anything else i think robert spillane is probably going to be back we'll see on miles jack i don't know if they're going to want to create another hole even if it probably makes more sense to not pay him what the cap it is this year which i think is around um, eight or ten million uh, based on his play last year, but 
you know, you look at David Long. Uh, he's a guy who was from the same draft class as Devin Bush, kind of in that same mold, smaller guy. Long's had a really, really productive last couple seasons for the Titans since he got inserted into that starting lineup. Problem's been the injuries. And speaking of the injuries, um, Leighton Van Der Esch is another guy from um, Dallas. You know, the Steelers are familiar with both Long and LVE uh, from their draft days. I believe they were heavily connected to both. So I was a big Van Der Esch um, fan as well. Yeah, I mean, Van Der Esch is a good player, man. You watch that Dallas defense, like when he's in there, particularly against the run, he just is like a calm, steady and force. I know he has a lot of fans on like film Twitter. Um, so he would be another guy that I would potentially look at. I think all the moves that you made made uh, or points you made make sense. Uh, William Jackson, probably not going to be back. I would say Akilah Witherspoon, probably not going to get be back. I, I wrote an article for the site a week or so ago about Cam Sutton need to be their number one priority. I, I still really, truly believe that I'd like to get Edmonds and or KZ back. Um, the guy that I think is really up in the air and I don't know what to do with it, honestly, because the free agent market isn't great is what to do about defensive end. Cause Ogan Joby yeah. was a little bit, he was underwhelming to me personally last year. And I think when you're looking at a guy who's coming off a season where you had to pay him $8 million for one year, I just don't know if that's – I don't know if his production is enough to bring him back at that number. And then if you do let him walk, what do you really have behind him? I think Isaiah Loudermilk's more of a rotational player. DeMarvin Leal's kind of a guy without really a true home right now, more of a tweener. Uh, we saw him play a lot of edge. He played some with his hand in the dirt at like three tech, but – not sure that he's big enough um, to really play there full time. So I don't really know what they're going to do with him. That's one of the biggest things for me heading into next year. That's a huge question mark is like, I don't know what their plan is for Leal. And honestly, it didn't look like they had one this past season just no. based on way, the way he was utilized. So, um, but yeah, I think to me, inside linebacker is hundred percent just based on the draft class too. Um, I, we, we've talked about some names that we like at that position, but just overall, I really don't think that this hot linebacker class is something to get too awful excited about. So I, I would prefer to address that in free agency, especially because I do think it's a good free agent class. All right. Um, let's go to the next question. Uh, this question is from Dustin Kelly. With the positions the Steelers need, offensive line, middle linebacker, cornerback, defensive line, what position can they afford to not draft in their first two picks and still get a good player? What position is the worst and they can't afford to pass up in the first two picks? I'll kind of take this one uh, from the jump. I think the position they can afford to pass on is corner. Um, and that's not to say that I don't want them to take a corner in the, with one of their first two picks because I, I really do. I want them to take advantage of some of this talent that is at the top of the draft, but preferably double do, down. Yeah. If they do potentially, um, if they do potentially opt to go a different direction, you know, a tackle they really like falls in their, their lap or, you know, they, they go a different direction. I think that they could afford to wait and still get a good player. Cause I think that day two is going to be just an absolute, you know, money pit, for cornerbacks. I think that we're going to see a ton fly off the board in the top hundred picks. And I even think there's good day three options. I mean, we saw some day three guys, maybe not, maybe he, he might not be going day three anymore, but Julius Brents is a guy that I really liked uh, as a, you know, a really good developmental player um, coming out of Kansas state, but he blew it up in mobile. So he might be working his way into day two. So 
but I, I think the cornerback depth is amazing. And I think even if you don't get one in the first two rounds, yeah, you might not be getting that cornerback like potential, you know, high end cornerback two, low end cornerback one. Um, but I still think that you can get starter quality players in this draft well into day two and even some nice developmental players in day three. So I think that's my answer for that. And then the position that's the worst and they can't afford to pass up on. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure that there is one. I think if you're going to talk about, you know, everyone, we got a lot of questions on Twitter, but it seemed like everybody's pretty much on board with needing to replace or upgrade at either left tackle or left guard. I think if you're going to do that, I think you probably, if you're going to do that next year, probably need to take a guy in the first two rounds. Like I don't see very many tackles that I'm 100% in love with saying like, Hey, after the first round, is this guy going to be able to come in and play left tackle for you in front of Kenny Pickett day one? I, I don't know that I see that. And I even think that some of the guys that are getting mocked that I like, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, there's there's some little stuff that they got to work on too that I think that they're probably going to struggle without the gate. You know, tackle's not an easy position to translate into the NFL. So I think that would be my answer. If you're planning on upgrading that tackle, I think that you probably need to take one in the first like two or three picks um and even then i think it's probably gonna be more of a competition thing to damn more where like he's gonna have to lose the job or that guy's gonna have to win the job rather than us just you know sitting there saying like oh well he's gonna be handed the job so um the offensive line class somebody asked me on some twitter right before i hopped on but i just think the offensive line class in general is a below average class we had nine starter or nine first round picks last year I'd be surprised if we got more than like five offensive linemen at round one this year. Um, so I, that would be the position to me. If I'm looking for a starter, I probably wouldn't wait very long to get a tackle. Uh, I overall agree. I would say big thing with me is I think defensive line is one of those positions. If they don't address in free agency, they have to address this year because they, the questions about Oak and Joby and free agency for one, but also who else do they have besides Cam Hayward who can legitimately play along the interior of that defensive line, be able to play from like anywhere from the zero technique to like five technique. They don't really have that on, on, on contract right now. And that's a bit, that's a big question I have is defensive line more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Cornerback and linebacker, I do think they can wait on, be, mainly because of the cornerback depth is extremely strong. And the thing with linebacker, linebacker is one of those positions that people will look at at the top of the draft and and they'll say, oh, we need we need this because it's the highest position of need. And I'm just like, linebacker is one of those positions you can find guys a little later in the draft that end up contributing way more on on a a much less contract if you're taking a linebacker very high you're you're doing it because you believe he is that 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 game-breaking type of prospect like a Mm -hmm. roquan smith like early in the in the draft like you wouldn't be taking that type of guy at you wouldn't be taking like a trenton simpson at 17 who's kind of like a hybrid and has very specific types of roles that he can fill but doesn't exactly have a defined role, you don't want to take that at 17. You want yes. to have a guy who's ready out the gate. That's one of the mistakes they have made in the past where they took guys who weren't ready when they were re- when they were trying to compete now. And doing that at linebacker is definitely not the smartest idea overall. 
Offensive line, I, I'd I'd say I'd say they could. I'm a little higher on the offensive line class as a whole. I think the interior um, is actually really strong because of a lot of guys who just have that position versatility. Guys like Steve Avila and Matthew Bergeron have played basically everywhere along the line. So you can kind of go into the draft with not this mentality of we have to replace so-and-so player. Let's take the best player and then and then go from there. Like that's where I'm gonna get with my next question after after at some point, because the people are gonna talk about um, Mason Cole versus Kevin Dodson or Dan Moore, Chikuma or Core Force. Personally, my opinion on this is they need to get rid of a Core Force contract. I think that is absolutely a ridiculous amount of money to be paying him. Mm-hmm. The level of tackle play that he's put up and the fact that Dan Moore is not, he's a, he's barely behind him and he's still on his rookie contract. Like that to me is what, what I would be looking at overall. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned um, just other guys, too, that have, you know, played a bunch of different positions. You look at a guy like Cody Mock, you know, he, he had played almost yes. exclusively left tackle, but then he goes down to Mobile. He plays, you know, left guard. He plays all, all five spots. And, you know, there there is versatility to be had on the offensive line. I think it's a good discussion on what you're going to prioritize. Are, are you wanting somebody that's established at one position that you feel like can come in and start day one for you, or you, do you just want to add the best player available and you just try to get the best five on the field? Um, so, yeah. And I think they did that some at some point last year, you know, when they signed James Daniels, Mason Cole, um, you know, even Kevin Dyson, he's played both sides uh, guard, you know, Chooks has played both sides. Uh, Daniels had played center in Chicago at different points. Mason Cole had played guard at certain stops. So um, they have already have some of that, but I think it's an interesting discussion um, on with how they're going to make those pieces fit. Yeah. Um, I do think that this is a kind of a good segue into this next question from Eric Herm. Uh, do you think it's possible they draft a center or right tackle and flip Cole to guard or Chooks to left tackle? So, I think we just kind of go off of kind of some of your answers last time. I, I do think that anything is possible. I, I don't think that anyone on the offensive line, with the exception of James Daniels, is like an absolute shoe in saying we're not yeah. even going to bother discussing trying to upgrade this position. I also don't think the offensive line is a complete travesty like it was heading into free agency last yeah. season. Um, so they've got a bunch of baseline, what I would call baseline starters. And what I mean by that is like you're not, you don't have a, general like black hole last year when they're in a free agency at a black hole at center that they knew yes. like Kendrick green, God love him literally torpedoed their 2021 offense because he was that bad in his transition to center. So they don't have that huge black hole right now, but I think that you could argue that four of their spots, you wouldn't, you know, pass up upgrading if the opportunity presented itself. So, um, and I'm going to assume that, Eric's question in terms of drafting a right tackle and flipping Cole to guard or Chooks to left tackle might be a Darnell Wright question. Yeah, I will 100% continue to say this. I'm a Darnell Wright fan. He has played left tackle. I would put him at right tackle, and I think he's going to be a. I think he's going to be a rock solid starter for the next eight to ten years. That maybe seem like a little bit of an exaggeration because you know. Not a lot of guys out of every draft class are going to start for eight years, but I just I look at Wright's general body of work against quality pass rushers in the SEC. What he's done against Will Anderson, what he's done against BJ Ojolari, 
He has gotten better every single year. He's extremely refined with his hands. He has surprising recovery ability, ability to, you know, mirror movements um, for a bigger guy. And I just, I think he's incredibly impressive. And I, I think that there's still a lot of room for upside too. I don't know that he's going to ever be that Island type pass protector that, you know, you just put over there against, you know, the Joy Bosa's of the world and say, here, here, go get it done one-on-one. Um, or even some of the speed rushers that he's going to see maybe at the next level that can threaten him kind of across the or outside the shoulder. But I, I think he's a very good player. And, and if it comes down to it and, you know, he's there at 32 and the Steelers really like him, they got a good chance to meet, meet him at Mobile. Um, I know you guys talked to him. I, I doubt that. I am doubt that you talk about getting rid of Chuke's contract, like Wright's a guy, in my opinion, that could play, could play yes. at some point in year one, but definitely start year two. So um, I, I'm a fan there. I think, you know, for me, that the answer to that question is you got four spots. I think that you could legitimately make an argument to upgrade any of those four spots aside from James Daniels uh, without like maybe one huge glaring need, because I think I'm just a little bit higher on Dan more than the consensus. Yeah, I, I, I'm basically in about in, in agreement with you. I think one of the biggest things for me, I look at what the Chiefs did with their with how they like completely rebuilt their offensive line, not last offseason, but two offseasons ago, where they took Creed Humphrey and got Trey Smith like in the sixth round. Creed Humphrey was that type of guy. We thought he was a really good center at the time. We didn't think he was great, but we thought he would be like one of those players who could who could really contribute out the gate. And he ended up being like one of the hugest reasons like why they ended up being so good offensively speaking. Years. And I look at a guy like John Michael Schmitz and what what he did down in Mobile. I'm about to say, it, talk about your guy, dude. Yeah, it was it was so it was so dang impressive watching him because he was moving out in space so ridiculously well. That's the thing we knew about him, but. It was his ability to just pull, just absolutely steamroll guys off the line of scrimmage. Like there's so much power, there's so much um, athleticism with him. I think there's a lot of scheme versatility you can get with a guy like John Michael Schmitz if they decide to go in that type of direction, and then maybe have Cole compete at guard with Kevin Dotson. That would make a lot of sense because they set themselves up in a position where they can have multiple competitions with the guys that have that scheme versatility like Mason Cole and like, you know, like a younger guy like Kevin Dotson. So to answer your question, like I, I like they could go in so many different directions on offensive line. And I would honestly just put it in a broad perspective of take the best offensive lineman available and then let it, and then work itself out from there. Yeah. I'll, I'm in agreement on that. I think I tweeted this out after I was kind of combing through some of the, senior bowl stuff just clips and everything else i think i'm gonna end up having to go rewatch him because i've definitely i definitely think i was too low originally but you know john michael smith i'm pretty sure i, I saw something the other day to like 900 and something pass block snaps two sacks so i mean that's pretty it's pretty solid too and I, I think he's better known for like what he could offer you in the zone run game which you know the steelers love to run inside zone split zone so yep. I think he's a good fit in that regard. And, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to potentially, I think, I think his value probably lies some type. I think the conversation for him may start around 49. I'm not sure. Maybe you feel like 32, but um, somewhere in that range. If what, yeah, he helped us stock. Him. I really do feel yeah. like he, he was a guy who helped us stock in Mobile. So, um, but yeah, 
Let's go to the next. I'm not going to try to pronounce your name, man, because you got a bunch of numbers in here. But um, <laughs> what what package what package slash situation would be necessary for a trade back in the first round, assuming all our needs are Addison and Joy Porter Jr. are gone? Um, again, I'll just preface this question by saying like it's really hard to narrow down the Steelers' needs to a yeah. T because we don't know what they're going to do at free agency, but. I think just the general feel of the roster and then um, assuming that Addison and Joy Porter Jr. are gone, there aren't a ton of guys that I'm seeing like in mock drafts that I'm getting sent to me or like that, like my, our, my peers or, you know, people that I really respect are putting out that I see like, man, I would love for the Steelers to move up from, you know, 32 or 49 to go get this guy. I think that, over time, when we get a little bit better of a picture, um, maybe I'll have some names specifically. But right now, it's just it's still so hard to see, like, to narrow those things down. I will say this, though. I've thought about this for a while. Um, and depending on your perspective of the debate with, you know, Jordan Addison, the receiver, like how early they're going to take one. I am firmly of the belief that the Steelers are going to take a receiver in the first three first three picks. I would be extremely surprised if one of those first three picks was not a wide receiver. I don't think that there's going to be as many receivers taken early as the consensus. I do think that NFL Twitter like is starting to come around on that, but I don't know that the NFL is going to really love this receiver class. It's definitely underwhelming in comparison to previous classes in recent memory. Um, one guy that I keep circling around to just because I don't think he's going, I don't think he's going as high as people think. Um, and I just think that the fit with the Steelers makes sense is Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. Yes. I know you wrote him up for the – did a scouting report on him for the site. So if you guys want some, like, in-depth analysis on um, JSN, please check that out. But, you know, Smith and Jigba is a guy – I think if they take a receiver, they're going to be slot capable. Well, we already know he could do that. I mean, he was the leading receiver on a team that had Garrett Wilson and Chris Lave, who are both, you know, top 15 picks uh, last cycle. Uh, Smith and Jigba didn't play this past season, really, because he was banged up. Uh, nothing too serious, some soft a soft tissue injury, right? Or what, what was he banged up with? It, Something it lower was, body, it right? Was a, it was a ha- I, I believe it was a hamstring. That's what that I thought it was, was a hamstring. That, that was nagging him throughout this yeah. entire season. But, but you look at what Smith and Jigba can do, you know, He's a refined route runner. He is surprisingly good after the catch, especially for not being an overly dynamic athlete. He's a chain mover. He can separate, but he can also like find a soft holes in zone coverage. Um, Love him laterally. Productive. Yes. I mean, extremely productive. Um, and I just think like when you look at the boxes that the Steelers could potentially be looking for. Yeah. I think you would wish that he was a little faster, but the Steelers don't really prioritize speed at receiver i mean there's just other qualities that they really look for and um if you're trying to potentially offset that you do have kind of you know calvin austin i don't think that they're going to depend on him as much as maybe most steelers fans do um just because he is a day three pick who missed his entire rookie uh season but you can kind of counteract some of smith and jigba's maybe weaknesses with austin's strengths with his just overall athletic profile so smith and jigba is one of those guys that i think you know he starts getting to like the late 20s and you know if the steelers really like his profile like his tape um and they want to move up a couple slots and maybe give up a pick next year you know one of their picks this year to go grab him and get that fifth year option 
um i would be completely opposed to that i don't know how you i don't know how you feel about that uh yeah i i'd honestly be in favor of a, of a move like that if they decide to go with receiver early i mean the big problem with the slot receiver thing is matt canada is by far the <laughs> biggest the biggest problem when it comes to t- talking yourself into a receiver early because they just haven't been able to utilize the slot to its fullest capabilities and a lot of that has to do with the scheme. A lot of it has to do with quarterbacks not seeing the middle of the field. It's 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 a little of both. Another guy I would honestly preface that like we could go with in a trade down scenario. I did a I did a mock draft uh, recently where I was just doing nothing but senior bowl players to see what kind of see what kind of draft I could I could get. In every single draft I traded down, I took Darnell Wright. And I was, and I, and I left, I left myself feeling really happy about that overall. I think Wright is one of those guys that people have him going around the second round, but he could probably more of a later first round type of guy, especially with the class being a little bit up and up in the air, especially towards the latter parts of the first round. There's going to be a lot of different grades on guys like Drew Sanders, um, Darnell Wright. There's going to be guys in that area that some teams might have way lower or way higher. And I think a guy like Darnell Wright would make a lot of sense in a trade down. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a Wright fan, so yeah. you won't catch me complaining about that. I, I think he's going to be a really good player at the next level. Um, let's go with uh, next question. Do you see, from West coast guy, do you see Brazil as the option at 17 or is injury profile too concerning? Also with Crunchy Roche on futures, does Pittsburgh still look at an edge? Um, first part of that question, uh, Brian Brzee was, I, I believe he was the top uh, recruit coming out of high school, uh, Clemson interior defensive lineman. Um, you know, he's freak always, athlete. always been a freak athlete. Um, he kind of burst onto the scene pretty quickly. I think like later in his freshman year, he was already kind of flashing for that Clemson defense. I, I struggle with Brzee because coming into the season, I felt like I was a little bit lower on him, but I still saw the flashes that I thought, you know, made me say like, all right, this dude is going to be a top 10 pick because he's going to put it together this year. From what I saw live, that didn't really happen. And I've only watched like one or two games worth of tape. Um, I don't, he didn't look quite as explosive early in the season. Um, you know, working his way back from that injury because he tore his ACL. It was his ACL, right? Yeah, it was his ACL. Um, he tore his ACL, and he's had, like, a lot of stuff. You know, he's had some off-the-field stuff uh, happen, you know, with his sister his sister passing, I believe, right? Yeah. want to make sure that I don't get that wrong. But, um, you know, he's had a lot of stuff that has just happened to him outside of his control. And I, I think that Brzee's a guy who's really talented and has shown that. I just – I think he's a guy who's going to need to check some boxes when when we get to the testing portion and then the medical portion of the combine evaluation because you got to make sure because a big part of his evaluation is making sure that he's still that type of athlete to be really disruptive when he gets up the field. But when you turn on the tape for him, there's a couple stretches that I remember in the summer where like there would be stretches of drives or plays where he would just take over games. And then there would be stretches where I felt like he was just really quiet for a guy who's clearly one of the most talented players on the field. So 
to answer your question, I'm going to have to like finalize an evaluation for him before I say for sure. But I, I, I won't count, I won't discount him as an option at 17. Um, and then your second part of your question, I wrote about Alex Hasma's potential like contract um, negotiation with the Steelers. You know, he's heading into the final year of his deal. I think it's a really interesting conversation that we've talked about on the pod too. Uh, what what they're going to do with Hasmith. I think if Hasmith is a guy that you want to keep in house, and I assume that if that will be the case, I still think that you need to look hard at taking an edge because this class is pretty deep and really talented. Yeah. Um, if you are of the opinion like, hey, regardless, like we want him here this year, and then we we just know like he's a really good player, but we're not going to commit you know, 50, 45 to 50 million uh, APY to our edge rushers. If that's the decision that the Steelers make, and I don't know that it will be, I doubt, I I don't know. Cause they didn't, they didn't want to do it with Dupree when, when he was hitting free agency. So I think if, if that's the case and you're like, oh, we just can't afford to pay him, then you got to get really serious about taking an edge rusher because edge rusher is not a position typically that offers a ton of pass rush uh, productivity and year one so maybe you are more tempted to take an edge rusher like day two um as a developmental guy the same thing they did with Highsmith. you know Highsmith, you'd very unique story you don't find this type of productivity outside the top 100 hardly ever uh, in the nfl draft and they did it with Highsmith. that's why i would be a proponent of keeping him and i know you feel the same way yeah, we don't we we don't need to t- uh, talk about how much I believe yeah. that Alex Highsmith should be resigned with the Steelers. I I have very I have a lot of reasons for why it would make so much sense. Yep. But to go back to the Brazil option, um, in terms of I'm on the same boat. Like I haven't finalized a grade on him as of this moment, but what I have seen. There's a lot of the fl- I saw a lot more athletic flashes on tape more than anything. But for me, it was the down-to-down consistency. It was mm-hmm. like at times he was just disappearing from, from the film. And the thing we look for in those types of prospects, can your defensive line coach, can they coach him up? Can can they mold them into the player that they can be? Brzee is one of those guys I think he would take time. And I'm not – I think the Steelers do have time in regards to Kenny Pickett's contract, there's definitely going to be room there. The problem is Cam Hayward is not going to play forever. And Mm -hmm. you want, you know, taking a guy at 17, you want to keep in mind the fact that you're not going to get that instant production out of him. You might play him early on, but he's probably not going to be as ready as you would hope a guy like that should be. Overall, there's there's an upside that over time could look a lot better than how the pick would look early on. And that's the matter of, do you trust your defensive line coaches to be able to develop a guy like that? That's kind of where I sit on the whole thing. And as for Quincy Roche and the fact that they can look for an edge, they got it. They got to get an edge three. They, they, it's they, got to happen regardless. Like this is a deeper edge class. I think it's a bit overrated at the top overall, but I, it's got some depth in the in the later parts of the draft a guy like nick nick hampton from app state would make a lot of sense in terms of a guy that they could add behind um quincy roche you know he 
didn't get to play. You know, he played a good bit with the Giants. He showed, he showed some potential. We we saw him in preseason. We were excited about him, and then they ended up not keeping him. You know, we we can talk about that as much as we want, but it's not something you want to bank on going into yeah. going into into the season. You you want to have some insurance behind you know, your, your proven guys, you don't want to, you don't want to just bet it all on like, uh, on like a few chips that have very, they have the potential, but they are, they have very low capital attached to them overall. Yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the same boat there. I mean, yeah. the giants, you know, he, he kind of fell into just more, more of a numbers game more than anything. I mean, they, they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau. They drafted yeah. Aziz Ojolari. I mean, those guys are high profile dudes. I mean, there was never a path to him being a starter. And then, you know, with that being said, all those other guys kind of get pushed down the depth chart uh, behind those two. So um, I, I just, I think that there, I was a big, I was a fan of his coming out. Um, and I thought that he had a chance to be a contributor, you know, as a reserve guy. And I still think that, you know, that's up in the air. Um, I think he's, yeah. you know, has a right now, he has a good shot to make the team depending on, you know, what they do in free agency, what they do in the draft, how how they prioritize that position. Um, but he's just not somebody that I'm willing to depend on at this point in time. Just this, coming um, through a couple of these other questions to what were you going to say? I was going to say we should get to uh, the Scott Jersey question. I really like this one. OK, yeah. Um yeah, this we'll take this one. I think some of the other questions that are in here that I kind of pulled aside, we've kind of already answered. Uh, Michael yeah. was talking about replacing Dan Moore, Kevin Dawson. We already kind of answered that. Some immediate upgrades. I kind of brought up tackles. Um, Roger Jones, Paris Johnson, maybe Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, depending on what how you view him. Uh, Darnell Wright, guy that could play early. And then a blue chipper. I mean, the two guys that I think are um, the two best offensive linemen in the class, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern and uh, Paris Johnson from Ohio State. Either one of them are there at 17. Skaronsky, to me, is a guard, but I'd have no problem, you know, plugging and playing him in at guard day one, and I think he's going to be a good player. So, yeah. But, yeah, we'll get to this last question for uh, Scott and Jersey. All offense or all defense, if you had to choose tackle, guard, center, and wide receiver – or defensive tackle, linebacker, cornerback, which way do you go? I'll let you kind of kick that one off. This one is such an interesting question because you look at the depth of all these positions and then you look at free agency and you're just kind of left in a bind overall. I'd say the offense is in a bit better spot in terms of it's because we feel a little bit, you know, of potential with this offensive line. It's not the black hole that it was last year. And wide receiver is a position that has the talent that you want to see, but cornerback, linebacker, and defensive tackle those are those are drastic needs. Cornerback they can't run the scheme that they can, and I just would feel terrible passing up on any of these corners <laughs> in this year's trap, especially like a guy like Gonzalez if if he was there at seventeen, and you know getting a defensive tackle like a Keanu Benton or an Ade Tommy. Well, Adeboire, I'm a huge fan of him, by the way. I think he has that versatility to play um, with all over the line for, for a team like Pittsburgh with their hybrid defensive fronts. Um, maybe like a linebacker, you know, the linebacker class is not great overall, but your guy, Ivan Pace, who really impressed me. Down down, yeah, yeah, no. You're like, that's three guys that you could get 
in a draft, you could say, oh, I just had an amazing draft. And I think it's a lot harder to go offensive tackle, center, guard, wide receiver, and feel as good as what you did drafting all deep, all defense. And while that might make some fans pretty unhappy overall, I think that it's better to just draft the best players, the best the in terms of value. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, my my response to that would be pretty simple. I mean, the Steelers are returning all their starters with the exception of slot receiver next year mm-hmm. on offense. And to yes. me, I mean, while I do think that that's going to be addressed early in the draft, um, you know, to me, the the bigger needs is on defense, you know, not just because I think that they're going to go into it with maybe a hole or two, um, a potential spot that they would like to upgrade from day one. But also just I think that the defense, you know, they haven't gotten as many of those high draft picks over the past couple of seasons. And I just think that you kind of need to replenish the cupboard a little bit. So you talked about cornerback. I mean, the Steelers are probably what one of the very few teams that I can think of off the top of my head that don't have a single like player on a rookie contract on their in their cornerback room to develop. I mean, yeah. who who is that? I mean, James Pierre, but I mean, he was he's an undrafted guy. So I don't I don't think I would even really call him a. De- I don't know that I could even really classify him as a, a developmental guy. Really, um, you know, he's got some playing time, and you know, I've pointed out some good things that Pierre does out there when he gets playing time. But um, you know, they've tried a camps- lot of stop gaps at that at that. Yeah, and and, and and the results haven't been great. You know, let's just be honest. You know, they they've really struggled to draft corners over the years under Mike Tomlin for whatever reason. It's been like the antithesis of how they've drafted wide receivers. Um, but you know that, that that can't stop you from trying again. That's that's my that's always been my biggest thing. With like, well, they can't draft corners. Well, they've only taken one in the first round. You know, look at how many teams go back to the well after they have huge misses at certain positions. You know, how long during Justin Jefferson's rookie season did we laugh at the Eagles for taking Jalen Rager? I mean, it was really quick, right? And then yeah. what, what what happened after that? They went back to the well. They got Devontae Smith. They traded for A.J. Brown in consecutive years. And then now yes. we're looking at Philly in the Super Bowl. So I, I think, you know, just because things don't work out, you know, every now and then you drive the position, uh, you know, Correct you need to, mistakes. yeah, you need to address, you know, how to, well, why did we miss on this player? Like, was it, was it coaching? Was it evaluation? Was it scheme? Uh, was it a combination of all three of those things? And then, you know, get back at it and see, see, see what you can do to, um, to get better. And I think to me, that's why corner, um, I just think the class is so, it, it's so, it's so solid. Uh, up and down, you know, not just up at the top, but also like depth wise, I think they've got to come away with one and, and a guy that they can truly believe at least is going to be a starter um, at this level. So I, I would agree defense for me, um, you know, just because I would want to replenish the cupboard and, you know, even in this hypothetical scenario where they did draft, you know, all defense, you can go get a receiver, a slot receiver in free agency. Like you, yeah. you can go get, um, a guy that can fill a fill a stop gap for a year and you know you can go to next year you know maybe you get something out of Calvin Austin if he's healthy this season I also got to watch is fine. uh Anthony Miller you know who had a good yeah, training camp true. and they were they were excited about him you know there's definitely good point. Th- there's a lot more hope on the offense in terms of young bright talent than there is on the defense right now and yeah. that's what's most important 
And that's the thing. I think with the offense, it's just a matter of development. Like you've yes. got a ton of young guys and we've talked about positions that they could potentially upgrade. And obviously I think that they will look to do that in some areas, but you know, the main thing is going to be continued development for these young guys, you know, Kenny Pickett, George Pickett, Pat Fryermuth, um, Najee Harris. Like they've got, you know, the oldest, like, some of the veterans on the offense, like Deontay Johnson, who's like 26, 27. I mean, yeah. we're, we're looking at a really young offense who really is still in the early stages of, you know, their final form. So I'm excited about that. But um, I think that pretty much does it for us this week. I'm trying to make Great sure. questions, everyone. Yeah, great questions. Yeah, I appreciate the feedback on Twitter, too. Um Greg was the only question that we didn't get to about doubling up on positions. We kind of, we kind of did that, even though I didn't read the full question. Um, I, I would again, be hundred percent a proponent of doubling down at corner. If you know, everything gets addressed the way that I hope it does in free agency, um, doubling up at corner, doubling up at offensive line, doubling up at defensive line, depending on like, if you like a nose tackle enough, or if you, if they don't want to address that in free agency, maybe nose tackle defensive end, there's a lot of different possibilities. Um, those will that that question is definitely something that'll be easier to answer, um, you know, post free agency. But yeah, um, appreciate everybody's questions. Um, it was a really fun episode. I hope that we um, got to a lot of the stuff that you guys are interested in. Uh, just again, appreciate the support of the channel. Please make sure you subscribe. YouTube.com/slash/AllSteelersTalk, and we will see you guys next week. Holler.